everyone tonight. It's good to have you in service with us this evening. And um, praise God. Those of you that are joining us online, whether you're someplace else, not a part of us, or especially if you're a part of us, we welcome you as a part of this service this evening. Pray that you've been blessed wherever you are. I don't see my wife, so I should hurry up and tell this real quick. But I know some of you precious folks will make sure she hears it anyway. Up, oh, there she is. Uh, y'all, y'all pray for me. I don't really want to sleep on the couch tonight. But uh, she, she said this afternoon, "You aren't going to get up there again tonight." After we do all this upbeat worship and do your deal of, I didn't say a word. I didn't say anything. So, praise God. I, I do feel like, and I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take me. I'm, I promise you, I won't make it any longer than the Lord wants. I, um, I feel like I was talking to Stephen and Madison this morning and I feel like I've got some just some lingering windedness from having COVID a couple of weeks ago and felt it this morning so I won't exert any more energy for any longer than I have to but I, I, I this was um, had we had service a couple of weeks ago when it ended up snowing this is what I felt like the Lord gave me to preach, and um, I'm glad he's in control. We, uh, as you all know, and most of you know, we had Leadership Summit planned Wednesday night through yesterday, and we ended up having to modify all that because of the snow. And uh, you need to know one thing about me if you don't. I love snow but I don't like it when it messes up ministry stuff. I like ministry more than I like snow. But God is in control. So 1 Samuel 15, verse number 1. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1. By the way, in case I know a lot of you know it now, but... um, Timothy is back home. Hallelujah. So, he's not just visiting anymore. Praise God. Amen. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1. Samuel also, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over the people over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. It doesn't take but just a little bit of studying to find out the Amalekites were a thorn in the side of the children of Israel for a long time, long before this passage. 
Remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in laying 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is, over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and oxen and fatlings and lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly. Father, thank you for your wonderful presence in this place. Thank you for the liberty and freedom of praise and worship in this place tonight. Thank you for the celebration of these wonderful people that have been born again and filled with your spirit and all the other things that have taken place in this service. I thank you for it, Lord. God, I trust and believe that you have given me a word for this congregation for this evening, and so I trust that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, you know where we are. You know where we're going. You know all that you have in store for us. We want to be prepared. We want to be properly positioned that you might be able to fulfill your word in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust you tonight, Father. I depend upon you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Saul was given very specific instructions that he was supposed to go and destroy everything that was connected to the Amalekites, everything. And I realize, let me just pause for a moment, I have heard some, um, heard in various ways or whatever, uh, how, how can a God, how can a loving God instruct them to go do what they did. And, and here's what I believe, here's my personal just basic explanation of that. When you, when you understand that really the Old Testament is so much about natural examples of spiritual things, and I realize those were natural human beings, but God was going to that kind of an extent to provide spiritual lessons and, 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 
uh, analogies and principles and types and shadows for us. So again, the instruction from Samuel to Saul was that he he was supposed to go and kill everything. There was not supposed to be anything left. But for some reason, which is not really an uncommon thing, we all have probably done it at some point in some form or fashion, for some reason, Saul felt like he could modify what God told him to do. That even though God said, kill everything, destroy everything, don't, don't leave one thing that's connected to the Amalekites, don't leave one thing alive, Saul decided he could edit God's instruction. And the thing that's really so interesting and, and I think scary about it is Saul's explanation when he was confronted by Samuel was a very spiritual explanation. These animals are good animals for sacrifice, for for, for what we do. And so I, I kept them for that reason. But the problem is, Saul, God didn't tell you you could keep them. God said, get rid of all of it. And the, and the problem is, in the moment when we make our decisions to justify things, to allow things, To hold on to things contrary to what the instruction of the Lord is. Whether that's the instruction of the Lord based on His Word. Or that's the instruction of the Lord to you and I personally. Again, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 in the first couple of verses that we are to lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Sin, I believe sin is very clearly defined in Scripture. What is sin is sin. But weights are a very different thing. Weights have, are, are, are more about us individually. Weights are not as clearly defined. They're not as black and white. What are weights? There's a bunch of you that could care less. You weren't. You weren't giving in to temptation and checking your phone to see what the score was. It's not a weight for you. But for some of us, it can be a weight. And if you're not careful, and I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I'll get much. You need a bunch of blowing and going, going. You weren't here this morning. Go watch this morning. But the the problem is. You will not properly deal with the weights in your life if you are measuring them by everyone else. 
Because when God begins to deal with you about weights in your life, you are probably going to have some people you are associated with. Not some strangers somewhere else, but you're probably going to have some people that you are associated with that what God is dealing with you about being a weight in your life is not a weight in their life. And so if you want to find justification for holding on to your weights, you will find justification for it. And the problem is, usually in the moment, the impact is not fully known from your the compromises that you choose to make. Because when Saul comes... Excuse me, when Samuel comes to Saul, and I, I realize Saul lost the throne, but, but it wasn't just because of this one act. This may have sort of been the proverbial icing on the cake, but, but it wasn't just this one thing that cost Saul the throne. It was a, it was a combination of things. And so, if you kind of, if you, if you exclude that, there, there really seems to be no negative repercussions to Saul for choosing to allow the king to live and for choosing to allow some sheep and oxen and other animals to live. There didn't seem to be any real big issues then. But watch this. Approximately 500 years later. Approximately 500 years later, Saul reigned as king somewhere around the early 1000s B.C. And then the passage I'm about to read from you from was somewhere in the 400s B.C. Watch what happened as a result of Saul choosing to disregard God's instructions and do it His way. Esther chapter 3, verse number 5. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day, and from month to month to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of the kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. It's not good for the king to let these people to continue to live. If it please the king, let it be written that they, be dest- that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten 
thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. Now watch this. Verse 10. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jews' enemy. Haman was a descendant of King Agag, an Amalekite. And Saul found justification to not fulfill God's commands. And now, 500 years later, it's someone that shouldn't be around anymore that is now the threat to the people of God. Now I know the story, you know the story, it all works out fine, it all has a good ending. They all lived happily ever after until the next crisis. But the bottom line is this, those circumstances should have never happened, at least through Haman, because Haman shouldn't have been around. I preached to you a couple of weeks ago, little by little, that God is not just going to lay everything out in advance before you. He's not going to do that individually. He's not going to do that with us as a body. He's not going to give us any more souls than we are willing and ready and committed to taking care of. And so really, part of the context of this message tonight is connected to that because I believe I, I, I believe in the Holy Ghost tonight. Going back to what I said earlier, that God, I believe this is going to be an awesome year. I'm not trying to just hype you up, get you all excited, whatever. I believe that. I believe there's a lot of things that have been pointing in that direction. Not the stars lining up, but things that God is doing. But here's what I feel tonight. I feel like there's some of us that we've got some things that if we don't deal with those things, if we don't get them out of our lives, they may not be a big problem right now. But as we go along and you get further into where God wants to take you and what God wants to do in your life, if you don't get rid of Agag and all of his descendants, Haman is going to show up in your future. And I'm preaching to some people tonight that I feel that there are some folks that you have learned how to justify some choices that you've made. And you've got some reasoning as to why it's okay to modify a little bit here and there. But I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost tonight, if you don't let God deal with those things, and if you don't follow God's instructions, directions for you, it may not bother you right now. And the sad thing is, it actually may never bother you. But somebody else 
may reap the repercussions of you deciding to allow some things to remain that God said to get rid of. No doubt I believe there is a spiritual application of this story of, of, of Saul and then of Haman that you and I need to pay attention to in our lives. I wonder how many times those who have fallen had great failures in their walk with God and particularly in those that were greatly used in ministry and end up falling into sin, end up losing their ministry. I wonder how many of those, in fact, if I could, I'll just be presumptuous. I'm pretty sure all of them had some moments where God was trying to deal with those things while they were manageable. God was trying to get those things out of their life before it brought about heartache and pain. But you know, it's just a little thing. It's just, you know, it's not that. I mean, there's a bunch of us tonight, we probably aren't praying quite as much as we ought to pray. But hey, look what we're doing. We're at church on a Sunday night. Our, our personal walk with God, I, 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 I said it, I shared it to the, to the, to the leadership summit online yesterday. The, the Bible talks about Mary and Martha, and it says that Martha was cumbered about much serving. It, it wasn't that what Martha was doing was wrong, because there is basis in this book for serving and ministry, but it's got to be the outflow of relationship. It's got to be the outflow of your connection with God. And if we're not careful, we can justify some things that really are very critical. But because look at, look at how great we are in these other areas. But when the Holy Ghost is trying to bring some conviction in your life, when God is trying to say, you, you need to get that out now. You need to go ahead and deal with it now. If we choose to ignore that moment, we may end up setting ourselves up for some serious repercussions in our future. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 31, there's a term you can find a number of places throughout the Old Testament. That term is the high places. One of those places is here, 2 Chronicles 20 and verse number 31. And Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 30 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 20 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi. And he walked in the way of Asa his father and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank God. But verse 33 says, How be it? The high places were not taken away as far as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. Psalm 78 verse 56 gives us a little bit of insight about these high places. The psalmist says, yet they tempted and provoked the most high God and kept, his, and kept not his testimonies but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow for they provoked him to anger. How did they provoke him to anger? With their high places. 
Their high places was an opportunity for idolatry. It was an opportunity to worship their graven images. And so even though Asa did a great job and, 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 and walked in the way of his father and, and, and departed not from, from doing what was right in the sight of the Lord, he, he, he chose to allow the high places to remain. But God's got an issue with the high places. I wonder, I wonder if we would take a true, serious evaluation of our lives. I wonder if, if all of us perhaps don't have some high places in our lives. That we've got a bunch of places where we're doing it well, we're doing it right, we're, we're doing it good, we've got it down pat, but there, there's still some high places. And I've, I've come to challenge us in the Holy Ghost tonight that if we want to get to where God wants to take us, and we want it to be, for lack of a better word, we want it to be successful, then I believe there's some things that God's wanting to deal with in some of our lives right now. Jesus said these words in John chapter 14, verse number 30. Hereafter, I will not talk with you. I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh. The prince of this world cometh. And he hath nothing. In me, he has nothing, there is nothing in me that he can lay claim of ownership to. There's nothing in me that gives him a foothold in my life. I, I don't, I don't care how successful you are with your walk with God, it seems to me to be a biblical pattern. That you are going to go through highs and lows. It it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. How spiritual you become. You are going to go through some times. Where you are on the mountaintop conquering the world. You're, You're staring down every devil in hell. But you know they 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 spend months. Thousands of dollars, I forget, I used this somewhere recently, but thousands of dollars they spend on a, on a uh, what do you call it, the whole trip of climbing a mountain, expedition. Fifty, sixty thousand dollars to climb Mount Everest, the whole, the whole package, the, the equipment, the, the, the guides, all that stuff. Sixty thousand dollars. And, and, and they are usually at the peak, at the top. If they make it to the top, they are usually there for, for less than an hour at the very most. It's get up there, get a few pictures, head back down. We spend all of we spend so much time trying to live on top of a spiritual mountain, you don't stay on the peak very long. You better enjoy the moment and get a couple of quick pictures. Because you got to start back down the other side. We spend way more time walking down the mountain and up the mountain than we do on the mountain top. So there's going to be, there's going to be ups and downs. The, the, the wise man said it this way. To everything there is a time, a season. 
There's a time to dance. There's, there's, a time to, there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to plant. There's a time. That's it. That's, there's a cycle. It's going to be that way. But the bottom line is this. That doesn't mean you need to provide something for the enemy to show up and say, Hey, you got something in you. That belongs to me. Because usually he's going to try to show up when you're on the mountaintop. And defeat what you're doing. And if you've got something in you that belongs to him. You better watch out. That's why when you go through the whole process of purchasing a home. They go through a whole ordeal to make sure the title is clear. The deed is clear. That nobody else has a claim to what you're buying. Because if you go through the whole process and spend your money, but somebody has a claim on that property, you could end up losing it. You know what? You don't have to give the devil much to hold on to. You don't have to give him a whole floor of your house. In fact, you don't even have to give him a closet. He's content initially just with a foot to keep the door ajar. Because he knows as long as I've got some access, at the right point in time, I will take advantage of that access. And I believe there are some people in this place tonight that what God is calling you to and where God is trying to take you and God's plan and purpose for your life is exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything you have imagined. But I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight there are some things that while you have the opportunity to get rid of them you need to get rid of them I, I initially didn't ever plan to do this but I'm I'm going to share this when I'm not calling a fast we're not calling a fast and I realize I'm risking by what I'm about to say, ruining what I'm doing. I trust that God knows my motive, and I'm trusting my motive is right. But if anybody's interested, cares to join me starting tomorrow, I don't really know how long I'm going to go, but I'm going to go, I'm going to fast eating only one meal a day. I'm also not going to eat any dessert. I don't know about you, but usually when we do a one meal a day fast, I always reward myself for not eating all day and I have some kind of wonderful dessert. Because we know we always need to pat ourselves on the back. I got a couple other things, personal commitments I'm making. I said it several weeks ago, the evening we ended up dismissing and going our separate ways to pray and I, I guess I just feel more of that, that we are, at a, we are at a point right now. I know. I Last year we did Engage, and that was so awesome. That was such a 
powerful month, and I believe there were lasting benefits from that. I, I believe there were, but but I, I just feel I feel in my spirit, I feel as the pastor of this congregation that we're at a we're at a moment right now where God is interested in not seeing how many people are willing to commit to a corporate effort. But who has the personal individual hunger and desire? And that's why, again, I, 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 this is not, I'm not calling a fast, and I'm not telling you how long I'm going. I don't know how long I'm going, and I'm not going to tell you. So if you're just going to do it as long as you hear I'm doing it, you're, you're going to do it for the rest of your life because I'm not going to tell you when I stop. But I'm going to tell you something else that I feel. Some of you would be better off. Hear me now. Some of you would be better off not going on any kind of food fast, but shutting media off. Movies, TV, social media. I didn't say going on a fast. Say it, you've heard me, dear God, don't, please don't ever let me hear you tell somebody you're going on a social media fast. I mean, I know when people post that on Facebook, they're going on a walk. If you need me, text me or I won't be on here for a while. I'm going on a social media fast. I know that Peter and Paul are just, they're just weeping in heaven how deeply they're moved by that sacrifice. I'm not not talking about a fast. In fact, this was in my notes and I just blew right by it. This is what I felt a couple of weeks ago. We, We need a spiritual detox. A, a, a detox, according to Webster's, detoxification is a detox is detoxification from an intoxicating or addictive substance. And I'm pretty sure that most of you here tonight are not addicted to alcohol or drugs, and, and the majority of you, by faith, are not addicted to pornography. But, but, but there's some of you that have other addictions, and I'm not being facetious. You can't go very long without checking social media. You can't go a couple of days at the most without watching your favorite show or watching a movie. A detox is a regimen or treatment intended to remove toxins and impurities from the body. I I, I really believe, and, and so I'm... This between you and Jesus, whether you do it or not, and if you do it, what you do. But, but I just really feel like at the start of this year, and can you believe we're January? On one hand, it feels like it was forever. On the other hand, where to go? But I just feel like as we begin to shift into another year, I really believe there is a call, Brother Middleton, from the Holy Ghost. There's some things we need to get out of ourselves, our lives. 
I can promise you this. I, I, I think I can pretty much guarantee you this. Take a couple of weeks off from watching movies. Take a couple of weeks off from watching whatever your favorite shows are. And, and I can pretty much guarantee you that in a couple of weeks, if you go back to starting to watching those things, there'll be some stuff you'll start picking up on. That you had you 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 weren't even noticing language, innuendo, and other stuff that you've become numb to. But if you would if you would take some time to detox. Now, the problem is when you get finished whatever you're doing, if you choose to just go full swing again to what you were doing, you. But, but if you would do that and then and then watch what and then be sensitive I, I, I love this I love that I love watching I love this I love this book I love you know what you might be able to get away with that right now but what what if God knows that's Haman in your life and before it does too much damage before before it gets out of control and trying to deal with it now because the prince of this world is coming. I don't mean that negatively tonight because I, I, I've been saying it. I've been preaching it. I'm sick and tired of all of our negativity, of all of this just bemoaning where we are. That This book is full of promises and we have been given promises as a church. And many of us have been given personal promises about what God is going to do in these last days. enemy's not just going to stand on the sideline and cheer us on. And he's more than happy with us letting some things slide here and there right now knowing that somewhere down the road it's going to provide him access. A time at which you least expect So I, I don't know if we're going to do anything beyond this. I don't know. If the Lord directs me to, I will. But right now, I want you just, just right where you're sitting. If you would just bow your head, close your eyes. Would you just, would you just for a few moments here, just right where you're sitting. There's not a bunch of emotion. There's not a bunch of hype. There's not some kind of big emotional appeal. So in, in just this stillness of this moment, you just be sensitive for a few moments to the Spirit of the Lord and, and what He might try to bring to your attention in this moment. What, what things there may be in your life that He knows that I'm, I'm trying to deal with these things right now. I'm trying to get rid of... I want to get rid of these things now because... I, I don't want them in your future destroying you. I don't want them in your future haunting you. I, I don't want them coming back up in your future. And when you're in a 
when you're in a moment of of the fulfillment of my calling and my purpose in your life that the enemy shows up and he's got something in you. Would you you be willing, not only in this moment for a few moments, but even over the next couple of days, would would you be willing to try to listen to the Spirit of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, that maybe... Maybe there's some weights, not sin, not sin. Maybe there's some weights in your life that God wants to say to you. Others might be able to live with this. Others might be able to do this. Others might be able to have this in their life. And, it, and it's, it's, it's not going to weigh them down. But for you going to be a weight, I need you to lay it aside. I need you to lay it aside. I, I, I want to I challenge you. Here's, again, just right where you're sitting. and I, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm about to dismiss you, but before I do that, if, if, you, don't, if you don't make some commitments right here, right now, there's a pretty good chance when you get up and walk out of here, it'll, it'll cross your mind again. But it's this moment. It's this moment right here where it's, it's really the easiest. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's the easiest in this moment to make some, to make some commitments. If you want to join me, if you feel a witness at all, maybe... You, you need to be sensitive. Maybe it's not, maybe you don't feel to join me and eat one meal a day. Maybe the Lord might be dealing with you. You need to go a couple of days without any food. Or you may need to do the thing everybody hates so much and do a Daniel fast. But to take some time in your life, you personally, pretty sure there'll be a time in the future where we'll do corporate fasts again and we'll do we'll do corporate efforts again but again I, I just feel like in this season where we are right now God's interested in some things being just between you and him that if somebody else is fasting if somebody else is turning media and social media off so be it you're not just doing it because it's what everybody's doing. You're doing it because it's between you and Jesus. It's, it's what you feel like needs to happen. There's some, there's some toxins, some, some spiritual toxins that you need to get out of your spirit, out of your life. There's some, there's some thoughts you need to be purged of. There's some, there's some things that need to be taken out. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I know we're still in some unusual times, dealing with unusual circumstances. We're, we're still being impacted in various ways by this pandemic and, and other things are going on. It seems like, Lord, that from a from our through our natural eyes that we don't necessarily see a lot happening with our natural eyes. 
But I believe, God, you are working and moving and leading us as a congregation into places you promised us you were taking us. So, God, I pray that you would help each one of us in whatever way we need to, in whatever way we need to commit, in whatever things we need to lay on the altar, whatever whatever agags there may be in our lives that you're wanting us to deal with right now so that we don't have to face them in the future. By your grace, Lord, help us to give you our undivided attention. To listen carefully and closely to the gentle nudge of your spirit, the sound of your voice. Lord, I don't believe in these types of things. You come screaming and yelling and with banners to get our attention. It's that gentle tug. It's that gentle nudge. Lord, I pray for every person tonight that's in this sanctuary, every person watching online, every person that's a part of this congregation. Father, if there are things in our lives that the prince of this world can claim as his. If there's things that we are allowing to be a part of our lives that he can claim ownership of, I pray, God, that by your grace and your mercy, you would help us. You would help us to recognize what those things are and then rather than doing like Saul and finding some kind of justification to keep them in our lives that we would we would do with those things what you are instructing us to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Father I pray tonight that you would help each one of us to not judge ourselves among ourselves or compare ourselves by ourselves. Lord, you're calling us individually. You're calling us to different places, different different areas of commitment, different areas of sacrifice. And if, if we get caught up in the trap of comparison, we may not be willing to respond to you the way we need to respond. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to do as Paul said he did and forget those things which are behind and press towards the mark that you've set before us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Just, just another moment. I'm going to say it again. I really am I'm, I'm challenging and encouraging some of you. If you don't, in this moment right now, make some decisions of what you're going to do, make some commitments to the Lord, that you're going to leave here and it's just going to be on the back burner and next thing you know, it's going to be out of sight. and It, it may pop up again in the next couple of days, but... There's not going to be a moment any easier than this moment right here, right now, to to make some choices, to be willing to to have some.
personal spiritual detox. In the name of Jesus. 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 You can In the name of Jesus. Does anybody feel that way here this evening? You don't have to yell it, scream it, jump up and down over it, but anybody feel that way? Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Over everything else I may have everything else I may possess. Give me Jesus. I gotta have Jesus. There's nothing worth trading for Jesus. There's nothing worth hanging on to at the expense of my relationship with Jesus. There's nothing worth hanging on to at the expense of my calling, my purpose in the kingdom. the name of Jesus. You can have it all, God. We lay it all on the altar. We lay it all at your feet, Lord. We just got to have you. We've got to have you, Jesus. We've got to have you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give me you, Jesus. Just give me you, Jesus. I've got to have you. I must. I must have you, Lord. You can have In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to put the mic down. Nathaniel can sing as long as he feels to. I don't, I don't feel to dismiss you tonight and tell you to leave without talking and fellowshipping. But I do think we need to be a little bit mindful just of our volume of interaction. But as he sings at least for a few more moments, I do feel like some of you, you need to give it just a few more moments. It's kind of that marinating, just kind of soaking in the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying trying to do in your life in the name of Jesus.